listening to the Otherworldly Oracle official podcast, a Burning Hallows production. I am your otherworldly host, Kitty Fields. If you like what you're hearing, hit the subscribe button for notifications of future episodes. Head on over to our patreon.com slash burninghallows to grab your exclusive Book of Shadows pages to go along with each of our episodes. Pay a visit to our websites at alorarain.com for tarot readings and soul origin profiles and otherworldlyoracle.com for even more information on the craft. Now on to the show. I shall go into the hair with sorrow and sight and meekle care, and I shall go in the devil's name, I while I come home again. Since the spring equinox is right around the corner, I wanted to hop down the bunny trail and meet the white rabbit with you all. More specifically, I'd like to explore the rabbit and the hare's role in magic, folklore, and witchcraft. You might be surprised just how entwined the witch and the rabbit truly are. Inseparable, really. So grab your cuppa and fall down the rabbit hole with me. All right, so before we dive into this, the quote from the intro, I was quoting the self-confessed Scottish witch, Isabel Godey. This woman actually confessed to having traveled about in the form of a hare. For those who don't know, the word sight means first, while the word meekle means great. So you could say, I shall go into the hare with sorrow and thirst and great care. And I shall go in the devil's name, I, while I come home again. We will dive deeper into Isabel's confessions in a future episode. I can't wait to talk about her. She's a really interesting character. So let's meet the magical rabbit throughout history, shall we? First, we'll explore a little bit of the hare's role in ancient Germanic lore and belief. Ostara. Most of us know this as the vernal or the spring equinox, but it also refers to a goddess of the spring in Germanic lore. Now, there's some debate here between scholars and even modern pagans about if Ostara was an actual goddess. This topic kind of gets me a little, I don't want to say angry, but maybe like hot. I'm hot on this topic. I don't know. Basically, Ostara is a goddess that was mentioned by Bede the Venerable. And there's a lot of modern people, modern pagan scholars that say that he made her up, that she wasn't a real goddess. But to that, I would reply, how do we know that any of these goddesses were quote unquote real, right? We go off of evidence. We go off of things that people have written in the past. We go off of artifacts. A lot of the stuff that we find from archaeology, we are kind of piecing together anyway for a lot of these deities, especially like Celtic and Germanic, that that type of pantheons. Anyway, but on to the point. So Ostara being the goddess of spring often shows up in illustrations and things with a man or rabbit as her consort, or she's accompanied by hares or rabbits either way. 
But her name, when spelled E-O-S-T-R-E, is actually the origin for our modern word Easter, for the Christian holiday Easter. In addition, in the Norse belief, Freya, the goddess of love and war, the queen of the Vanir, she's believed to have been attended by two silver hares, and particularly when she roams about at midnight. On to Celtic belief and tradition involving the hare. There was a goddess of war in Britain in ancient times known as Andraste. And if anyone knows the story of Queen Boudicca, she was a very interesting character. And one of the Celtic warrior queens that we know about who fought valiantly against the Romans. Anyway, so to the hare part, though. She was known to have released hares on the battlefield before going to war. Some people speculate that this was a sort of form of divination, like someone would read where the hares go on the battlefield, what their behavior was in order to a certain a victory or not, or it could have been uh, an offering or some sort of honoring of Andraste herself that the queen was invoking this goddess of war before she went out onto the battlefield. Following that same region, the Celtic tribe known as the Britons, B-R-I-T-O-N-S, found the hare, the animal, so sacred that supposedly it was taboo for them to eat them. This is according to Caesar, of course, so. In more recent centuries in Ireland, the hare is considered a fairy animal and is often believed to be a witch or hag in disguise. On May Day, it was believed that hares stole milk and crops, so therefore they were feverishly hunted on that day. Yet specifically in County Kerry, Ireland, people refused to eat them because they believed it might be their grandmother's souls inside. This is according to the modern Irish writer, Neil McCoyter. And then we have Aphrodite and Artemis. Apparently, hares were also sacred to these Greek goddesses. Hermes, the messenger god, also found hares to be sacred, probably because of their cunning and speed, as he was a messenger god and had to be quick with the information that he was disseminating. And even in ancient Egypt, Wanet, from the 15th Upper Egyptian province, she is depicted with the head of a hare, but then later down the line would become a lioness. She's also depicted as a serpent. She ruled alongside Thoth at Hermopolis at one point, but then was later absorbed into the Horus cult. Interestingly, we have record of one king who bore her name, King Unas, the last king of the fifth dynasty of the Old Kingdom. Now we shoot across the ocean to American folklore surrounding the rabbit and hare. Interestingly to Americans, the words rabbit and hare are interchangeable, but in most other places they are not as they are technically two distinct animals. The rabbit's foot, a lucky charm that's been part of American culture for decades is not a new custom though some people believe, you know, it's within the past century, nor does it actually arise from American folk magic. Rabbit's feet have been used as amulets since ancient Rome, at least, where the Romans believed it cured gout, 
And then later the English would keep it in their left pocket as a ward for rheumatism. And also we have sources that claim it was used to gently brush off a baby to brush off any evil spirits. So it was used as a purification device. Rabbits and witches go together like milk and cookies. For centuries, witches have been believed to take the form of the rabbit or hare when they shift. This is an old European belief that carried over to the US. But why? Rabbits are tricksters, they're linked to the moon, and depending on the species, their gestation period is the length of one lunar cycle, and they're fertile creatures. Numerous of stories of witches shifting into to rabbits show us a scene of a hunter hunting this rabbit, shooting it in the leg, let's just say, following the rabbit all the way to a cabin. Somewhere along the way, he loses the rabbit, right? But there's a trail of blood leading him to the front door of this secluded cabin in the woods. And when he goes up to the front door and he knocks on the front door, the blood leads all the way inside and an old woman answers the door. And what do you know? She's got blood, you know, a bullet hole in her leg, essentially. That's a really common theme in European and American folklore when it comes to witches. So I guess the question might be, how do these witches shift into the form of a hare or a rabbit? Do they do it physically, like the werewolf and shapeshifters of the movies? Not exactly. So there's also a concept in traditional witchcraft known as a fetch spirit. The fetch is sort of like the astral being the astral spirit of a person that is ripped, pulled, or sent away from the body in order to travel the astral realms, dream walk, go to other places, see other things, basically do what the person's body can't do. So you would think of sending your fetch ahead of you instead of going about doing something physically yourself. You would think that that would shield you from like all danger, but it doesn't shield you from all, just some. We also have stories of the rabbit and the moon. This is similar to our concept of the man in the moon that we often hear as children in the US that there's a man in the moon. And if you look up, you can see his face. But basically in Chinese and certain Central American indigenous cultures, they have the rabbit in the moon. I think it's interesting how people see different things in the, in the moon's face or in the craters of the moon. And truly the moon looks different to me now than it did when I was a kid. Although people say, no, it doesn't change. I, I believe it does. We also have stories in this country in folklore and in modern literature about Br'er Rabbit, who is a trickster character, as well as the Velveteen Rabbit. And of course there's the Easter Bunny. We all know and love the Easter Bunny that rabbit that brings us such sweet treats around Easter time or, or on Easter, if you celebrate Easter or on the spring equinox, obviously that's a nod to the spring goddess, in my opinion. And lastly, we're going to talk about the symbolism of the rabbit and hare as seen in real life as an omen or during your dreams. I think the obvious one that everyone knows when you think of rabbit as a symbol is fertility. They say, oh, they're procreating like bunnies. They're doing it like bunnies. Yeah, that, that's, there's a reason that that's said. 
And being that their gestation cycle is just about a month. I mean, that gives you a lot of time in a year (laughs) or a lunar year to produce lots and lots of babies. Another one along the same line is creativity. They represent the goddess as well as divine feminine work, good look and fortune, speed, agility, and survival because rabbits and hares tend to learn how to survive in different environments. I actually have some in my gated neighborhood, which is interesting. Somehow they got in, right? And they're thriving. They're also symbols of the moon because of that connection we were talking about with the gestational cycle and witchcraft, obviously. If you start dreaming of hares and rabbits or are shifting into a hare or rabbit in your dreams from a young age, it's said that you are a natural witch. That's going to be all for this episode. This was a first in a series that we plan on doing on the topic of familiar spirits, which will include animals, fetch spirits, the dead, etc. So thank you for joining me. And I hope you will return and listen again next week when Alora should be with us again. Remember, whether you're in the land of the Fae or the land of the ancestors, stay otherworldly. <laughs>